We're going to continue our study on the future, even without the mountains tonight. And uh, we'll talk about this period of time, which we have been talking about for several weeks, the Great uh, Tribulation period. Before we talk about the future, however, uh, let me share with you something provided us a long time ago in the past. It was the Apostle Paul And he issued a warning to the people in Corinth and by extension to all followers of the Lord Jesus. And this is what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. He said, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about tribulation or end-time religion. I mentioned to you in prior weeks there'll be plenty of it then uh, because Satan loves religion. It's a vital personal relationship with the living Savior that he despises, but not religious behavior. So there'll be a character to end-time religion, and part of its distinctive will be its purpose in trying to distract tribulation believers from this very thing, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And end-time religion will do it through its core values. We have core values to be living proof, for instance, of a loving God to a watching world. Well, end-time religion will have its core values as well. And through these, distraction from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ will take place. So let me acquaint you just with a few of end-time religion's core values. Here are the core values of end-time religion. The first is environmentalism. Now, folks, don't misunderstand. If anyone ought to be good steward of natural resources, it ought to be Christians. Absolutely. We ought to care for what we have, not abuse it, not expend unnecessarily. I'm all for that. But environmentalism as part of a core value of end-time religion will go way beyond mere good, careful stewardship of the environment and it will coerce people into actually worshiping the environment. Let me put it to you this way. Folks, this thing ain't going to save the world. (laughs) I mean... I got them because I got talked into it. And so I replaced the conventional stuff with this because I want to do my green part, you see. And, And if this thing lasts longer and all the rest and saves natural resources, I'm all for it. So I don't have any problem with that. Well, I mean, we don't run the water in the shower longer than we should. I was looking at a relative of mine. And we turn off the lights when we're not using them and all the rest. But folks, that is not our fundamental problem. Our fundamental problem is sin causing a distance between us and a holy God. And our fundamental solution to the sin problem is a savior. But... 
If you distract people from their primary need and persuade them that environmental causes will lead to the global salvation of the world. You see, we're doing the very thing Paul warned us about. We're being distracted from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so, end-time environmentalism, and you already see it happening, don't you, will encourage not mere stewardship of the environment, but rather it will encourage worship of the environment. In other words, end-time religion will be characterized by worship of creation rather than creator. And that is already happening. Let me give you an example. Do you remember former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev? He teamed up with a billionaire from Canada named Maurice Strong, and the two of them founded a new organization called Green Cross International. In it, they formed a kind of an earth charter, sort of the Ten Commandments for how we ought to respect, honor, and treat the earth. And as part of the charter, uh, Gorbachev made this statement. He said, nature is my God. Trees are my temples and forests are my cathedrals. Can you see the terrible distortion between personal creator and that which he created, the creation? And so end-time religionists will proclaim the deity of earth rather than the deity of the one who created the earth. This kind of green religion, if I hear the word one more time, I shall shoot somebody, uh, will advance the idea of earth as a living divine spirit. Let me give you an example. Here's a quotation from the world pantheist movement, not monotheism, one God. Pantheism, God is not apart from the creation. He's in it. He are it. He's so identified with the mountains and the trees and the rivers, you cannot distinguish him from it. Therefore, we worship it. So you're going to see increasing pantheistic Tendency. So the world pantheist uh, movement in its charter uh, wrote, Nature created us. We are an inseparable part of her, and we have a duty of care towards her. No, nature did not create us. The creator did all that. In end-time religion, monotheism will be its number one enemy. Monotheism, the belief in one personal deity who transcends the earth. He's above and beyond it. He exists outside the space-time dimension. He spoke earth into existence, but do not confuse him with the earth. He's different than the earth. And so... That's monotheism. Well, end-time religionists will insist that monotheism has in fact done great harm to the world. And so they will make the claim that this belief, monotheism, has in fact artificially separated people from their connection to Mother Earth. And therefore the goal of end-time 
religionists is to reestablish this connection which we had from ancient days, so say they, with the earth. And so monotheism has to be changed, has to be done away with. And so you see it already. Governments and the media and schools and corporations and artists and others are, are intent on reviving our ancient earth-centeredness. They must reconnect us, you see, to earth's spirit. Former Vice President Al Gore Thank you for the sound effects uh, wrote a book called Earth in the Balance in which he expounds on this point of view. He says the richness and diversity of our religious tradition throughout history is a spiritual resource long ignored by people of faith who are often afraid to open their minds to teachings first offered outside their own systems of belief. But the emergence of a civilization in which knowledge moves freely and almost instantaneously through the world has spurred a renewed investigation of the wisdom distilled by all faiths. This, here's his word, pan-religious perspective may prove especially important where our global civilization's responsibility for the earth is concerned and so former Vice President Gore would have us get together, subsume all of our religious differences under the umbrella of global world religion. We have too much in common and we need each other harmonized religiously so that our global effort to redeem and save the environment will succeed. You see what I'm saying right there? Well, that's what Gore said, but let me tell you what God said in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and on. I'll just read it to you. Listen to this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Why? Well, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory, think of it, of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And this final verse, Romans 1.25, listen, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
Folks, when in ancient times men began to worship creature rather than creator, the wrath of God was revealed and man is at it again. End time religion will receive, therefore, the wrath of God as it seeks to revive this terrible distortion of associating and equating creature with creation. When humankind again worships nature instead of creator, when man once again worships Mother Earth rather than Father God, then God's wrath will be outpoured like never before. And that's the period we call the Great Tribulation. So, one of the core values of end-time religion, and you've got to be aware of it already, is environmentalism. And then the second core value is humanism. Antichrist will head up a one-world government. So I ask you, how will he succeed in bringing all the disparate groups on earth together under one umbrella? Ultimately, we spoke about it last time when he commits the abomination, which makes desolate. Uh, he will require that he be worshipped, but until then, he doesn't mind people getting together under an umbrella of global government and global religion. But what will be the unifying core value? What will be the good news, if you will, that will bring together the diverse peoples and nations of the world in that day? Well, folks, the gospel of the Antichrist is what will do it, and his gospel is humanism. What do I mean? Well, it simply means a focus on us, a focus on our happiness. That's the goal, to be happy. A focus on our goodness, a focus on our rights, and a focus on our ability to do whatever we can dream. That is humanism. Anything the human mind can conceive and believe can be achieved. That's the gospel that will unify peoples in the end times. And by the way, sadly, unfortunately, this kind of humanism has already infiltrated many churches. I need not mention one in our own city. It's a big one. But that's the idea, and I don't think people realize it's a humanistic end-time religion core value that says, if you can think it, you can have it. If you can confess it, it is yours. That's humanism. That is an emphasis on you. That's transferring creative capacity from the one and only creator to you. You can change and create your reality. You can bring into existence new reality simply by thinking on it. No, you can't. It's a lie. Humanism. You can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. You don't even know if you're going to make it home safe tonight. What do you mean be anything you want to be? How about this? Believe in yourself. What? You believe in yourself? Are you kidding me? 
That's humanism, and that is the gospel of Antichrist. And you see it in churches already today. And so end-time humanistic religion really is a modern-day Tower of Babel. What did they do? Humankind got together and they said, God, forget about God. Let's erect this thing which will elevate us, humanity. It'll be a... Uh, center of attention, a rallying point for our own efforts and capacities to extend ourselves into the heavenlies without having to make recourse to Almighty God. Don't you see it? And so end-time humanistic religion is nothing more than a modern-day tower of Babel. Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Not when I believe in myself, I'm strong. That isn't faith in Almighty God to believe in yourself, to think it into existence. That's faith in your mind power. It's human potential. Could I tell you what human potential is without Christ? Zippo. Nothing. You couldn't take the next breath if it wasn't enabled by the giver of life. What do you mean believe in yourself? Crazy. So end-time religion, you see, will be man-centered, just like it was at the Tower of Battle. And, and so there will be, in end times, an impassioned cry, you hear it already, to set aside religious dogma, doctrinal truth that separates in order to form the global community of man, which will then, you see, save the world. Humanism is about the glory of man. So in this new global religion, the fundamental problem of man will be denied. Man's fundamental problem, we believe, is sin. It's not a polluted environment. It's not that your dad didn't play baseball with you or your mom didn't breastfeed you. It's nonsense. The fundamental problem of humankind is sin. But this will be denied as part of end-time religion. No, no, no. Man is noble. Man is good. Man has unlimited potential. Man united can accomplish anything. Man doesn't sin. Man makes mistakes. If I hear this from one more uh, politician who had an affair, I made a mistake. What do you... God doesn't hold mistakes against us. That's called being human. Nobody makes the mistake of an extramarital affair. Are you kidding me? You have to plan it. You have to plot. You have to conspire. You have to try not to get caught. What are you talking about? It doesn't just happen. You make it happen. <clears throat> End-time religion, humanistic religion, however, will have no room for it. In fact, this will be kind of the mantra. We can do it. Join hands across the world. Visualize world peace. Have you ever seen that on the back of the car in front of you? I like the... I just want to accelerate and plow right into them. Boom! <laughs> Visualize that, bozo. You can't visualize world peace. What are you talking about? There can be no peace apart from the Prince of Peace. He's the author of it. We make conflict. He's the peacemaker. 
We have no sin and therefore we need no savior. In fact, we can save ourselves and our world. Nancy Pelosi just made the rather remarkable statement in a speech the other day that her intent is to save the planet. Let's move on. I have a really funny thing to say about her makeup, but no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. So there's a guy named John Randolph Price, and he's the organizer of something called World Instant of Cooperation, and he reflects this uh, global humanistic attitude when he says, as a direct quote, I see images of a new heaven and a new earth. This world will be saved. The planet will be healed and harmonized. We can let the kingdom come, which means that this world can be transformed into a heaven right now. This is no fantasy. This is not scientific or religious fiction. This is the main event of our individual lives. No. Saving the world through harmonized human global potential, though it be the mantra of end-time religion, cannot save anybody. Here's what Robert Mueller, he was the former director of the United Nations, and now he's the president of something called Peace University. He made this statement. UN guy. He said, I have come to believe firmly today that our future, peace, justice, and fulfillment, happiness, and harmony on this planet will not depend on world government, but on divine or cosmic government. My great personal dream is to get a tremendous alliance between all major religions and the United Nations. Well, I ain't going. <laughs> that is sheer and utter nonsense. Sheer and utter nonsense. The Dalai Lama, every time he comes here, half of the Hollywood movie stars bow at his feet, you know. And a bunch of clergy, too, Protestants and Catholic and Jewish, you know, go and pray with the Dalai Lama. And uh, here's what he says. I believe that all major religions of the world can contribute to world peace and work together for the benefit of humanity if we put aside subtle metaphysical differences, which are really the internal business of each religion. This spiritual energy and power can be purposefully used to bring about the spiritual conditions necessary for world peace. So can you see what's going to happen? It's already happening. <laughs> you Christians claiming you have truth, your distinctive doctrinal beliefs, don't you think that... Don't you see they get in the way of world harmony? They just interfere. Take up what the Dalai Lama said. You're entitled to your own little doctrinal idiosyncrasies, but don't purport to foist them on others. Don't dare declare that they are truth. They get in the way. You know, keep it quiet. They're just little metaphysical differences. You know what I mean? And so when all world religions get together, there'll be a spiritual cosmic energy. What the heck is he talking about? Could you please? That sounds good, doesn't it? What does it mean? It's gibberish. It's nonsense. 
He said this spiritual energy as we all get together, set aside our differences, you know what I mean? And create a global harmony of religions. This spiritual energy can create the conditions for world peace. What are you talking about? Goodness gracious. You and I can't even get along with our neighbor because of the sin and flesh, which is our makeup. And we're just going to get together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya, and there's going to be like, come on. So here you have it, core values of end-time religion, environmentalism, humanism, and I'll just share this one relatively briefly. It's relativism. See, relativism is the opposite of absolutism. Absolutism simply says that some things are absolutely true. And relativism says that there ain't no absolute truth. That's the way it is. Don't have to make it complicated. And so relativists essentially say that something may be true for you does not make it true for me. You see it? Have you heard? You know, you share truth with someone. They say, oh, I'm glad that makes you happy. Glad that makes you happy. Your belief system makes you happy. Cocaine makes me happy. What's good for you is not necessarily good for me. What's good for me is not necessarily good for you, as long as you're happy. You see, it's relativism. That something is true for you, this is relativism, doesn't necessarily mean it is true for me. Well, therefore, according to end-time religion, Jesus the Christ is a liar because he made the most absolutist statement in the history of humankind when he said in John 14, 6, I am the definite article, the way and the truth and the life, and no one, no one in any language, Greek or English, no one means no one, no exceptions, no one comes to the Father but through me. Now look, if you a follower of Christ, if you a Christian, make the claim that Jesus is a way or the way for you, you're going to fit right in with end-time religionists. No problem. On the other hand, if you declare in harmony with what he declared, that he is the way to God for everyone you will be persecuted during the Great Tribulation period. Followers of the Lord Jesus during the Tribulation will be persecuted and murdered for this dogmatism, this narrow claim, don't you see, that Jesus is the only way, is the very kind of thing uh, end-time religionists say that divides the world community and gets in the way of Global religious harmony. Global religious harmony, you see? So, I don't know if you know this, but steps to create a unified world religion are already very much underway. In 1997, for instance, representatives from religious groups all over the world were called together 
at a gathering which took place at Stanford University in California, uh, the purpose of which was for them to draft a charter for a new worldwide organization called the Organization of United Religions. Uh, the leader of the meeting was a man named Reverend William Swing, an Episcopal bishop. What a surprise. And um, his efforts have been since this time to establish a network, worldwide network of religious leaders interested in establishing a one world religious organization. And so Reverend Swing made this statement. He said, I've spent a lot of time praying with Brahmins, meditating with Hindus and chanting with Buddhists. I feel I've been enormously enriched inwardly by exposure to these folks. I've gone back and read our own scriptures. And it's amazing how they begin to read differently when you're exposed to more truth from more people in other parts of the world. Doggone it. But the Bible says if you add to it, penalties will be added to you. Isn't the written revelation of God enough? You're looking for truth elsewhere? <laughs> so, uh, for end-time religion, the worst sin you could commit is absolutism. Can you see how Bible-believing evangelical Christians will be targeted because... Bible-believing evangelical Christians will have the nerve to say, Oh, no, all spiritual roads do not lead to heaven. Jesus is the bridge. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Do you realize how unpopular that absolutist statement already is in this increasingly relativistic atmosphere in which we Live. You see, uh, the belief that your religion is true and others are not is absolutist and entirely repulsive to end times religionists. Relativism is the core value of end time religion, not absolutism. And so you see the very absolute claim that Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, the head of the church, the very claim that he is the only way is entirely unacceptable antagonistic to end-time religionists. And so there will be, already is, and will continue to be increased effort worldwide to get Christians to stop preaching Jesus as the only way. Already happening. So Christian missionary and evangelistic work will be seen to be repulsive and unnecessary since truth is relative anyway. Jesus may be true for you, but Buddha may be true for me. Consider, for instance, the comment of Episcopal Bishop John Spong. He's a real... Interesting person. He said, I will not make any further attempt to convert the Buddhist, the Jew, the Hindu, or the Muslim. I am content to learn from them and to walk with them side by side toward the God who lives. <clears throat> you know, 
I like to get along. But getting along is not the most important thing in life. I just don't see how you can harmonize all the religions when they say things that internally contradict one another to begin with. You've got to lay aside, as the Dalai Lama says, your little metaphysical differences. So some world religions say that there are many gods, but the Bible says there's one. Most world religions say uh, you can win God's favor by jumping through a series of religious hoops. But the Bible says all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. How do you harmonize that stuff? You have to deny. The Bible says uh, that Jesus and he alone rose from the dead, winning victory over the last enemy, death. Other religions that claim other spiritual leaders today, ones who haven't shown evidence of resurrection, how do you, harm, how do you say to that person, I'm not seeking to convert you? Brahma's cool, Mohammed is cool, Moses is cool, as long as they make you happy. See, that's humanism, happy, happy. What about truth? Well, you see, in end-time religion, since truth is very uh, relative, end-time religion will tolerate everything but those who claim they have absolute truth. And that's why, under the guise uh, of toleration, you're seeing Um, non-Christians become increasingly intolerant towards us. I never thought I'd see the day when in the United States of America, in a post-Christian America, Christians are being assaulted and limited and all the rest. The founders of this country would turn over in their graves. Don't you see? End-time religion will tolerate everything except those who say Jesus is the only way. You see, since there is no absolute truth, end-time religion will place instead a high value on sincerity. Not truth, just sincerity. And they will say, as long as you hold sincerely to whatever it is you believe to be true, everything is fine, don't you see? But that can't be true, is it? Folks, you can, uh, on the way home tonight, sincerely believe that a red light with which you are confronted actually means go. But since that sincerely held belief is absolutely untrue, it isn't fine for you to hold to it. It's absolutely untrue. Red doesn't mean go. Red means stop. So my fellow Christians, don't give in to relativism. A recent poll, I guess, by the Pew Research Organization indicated that a shocking number of those claiming to be Christians also hold to the point of view that as long as other religious people hold sincerely to their faith system, they too can be saved. But you see, this flies in the face of the very clear and unequivocal declaration 
of our head when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What happens to a Brahmin, a Hindu, a Muslim, or a Jew who dies without Jesus? They will live eternally without Jesus in hell. That's what happens. Don't go on national TV and when some commentator asks you, do you mean if a devout or sincere Jew doesn't accept your Jesus, they'll go to hell? Don't say, I don't know. I'm glad it's not up to me. What? And you call yourself a Christ one? What? Folks, uh, it's nice to fit in, it's nice to belong, but frankly, it isn't that important. So though you be accused of intolerance and narrowness and even arrogance, here's the real question. Do you have the truth? Jesus said, you shall know the truth. It's not a mystery. And the truth will set you free, not some metaphysical harmonic convergence of the world's religions as we hold hands across the world and sing songs and visual. Come on. Do you have the truth? Are you convinced that God became one of us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, suffered for our sin, rose up from death, ascended to heaven and is coming again. If you are convinced of these absolute truths, how is it narrow-minded or intolerant to say so? End-time religious relativism declares that all paths lead to the same destination. There is no one way. Furthermore, it says, each religion possesses bits and pieces of truth. Therefore, we should amalgamate them all into one. And the Bible refers to this end-time amalgamated global religious system. The Bible refers to it all as the harlot. Why? Because it is a prostitution of the absolute truth that Jesus is the only way and that there is no other name that has been given from heaven amongst men by which we must be saved. So you have truth. The Bible refers to End-time religion is a harlot, and the same Bible refers to those who believe they have found absolute truth in the Bible and in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are referred to not as the harlot, but as the bride. And so every person will have a connection to one or the other, either the harlot of Antichrist or the bride of the Christ. And you tell me how you're going to harmonize the two. They're not harmonizable. Can't be. And you want a promise? You know, this guy at the big church downtown is always claiming promises. How about this promise? If they hated me, they'll hate you. How come I don't hear him share that sweet word from the Bible? 
Here's a promise. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you for your testing. Yeah. In the end time during the great tribulation, to be a Christian will be a very dangerous thing. And many, many, many will suffer, be persecuted and martyred for the faith. And these are those tribulation saints whose blood cries up from the altar of God for justice. And there will be, because here is the absolute truth, the wrath of God is revealed against every supposition and speculation of humankind who has the audacity to exchange the glory of the Creator for an image in the form of four-footed animals, you see. And so, folks, we have a job, even though I do not believe we'll be anywhere near the tribulation because... The rapture of the bride of Christ will take place before it. But even now, Paul's warning with which we opened is a good warning for us to close with tonight. Let's be cautious, lest our minds be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. How could millions of Muslims be wrong by denying the absolute truth that Jesus is the way? How could Buddhists and Jews and all the rest be wrong? It's easy. By denying the absolute truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no Hindu, no Jew, no Gentile, no Muslim, no male, no female, nobody old, nobody young, no rich, no poor. You get it? Nobody can come to the Father, Jesus says, but by me. If you believe it absolutely, then absolutely declare it and absolutely refuse to deny it. And don't give in already to the core values of end-time religion. Environmentalism, humanism, and relativism. Thank God for shedding his truth abroad in our hearts so that we are persuaded on the deepest of levels, that is to say, the Holy Spirit declaring for us, Abba, Father, a relationship with Creator has been established and His own Spirit evidences it in that we call out to Him the term reserved for intimate relationships between father and child, Abba, Father. Don't exchange it for global harmony and acceptability and relativism and all of that kind of stuff. Every looney tune in the world is declaring what he believes. We have truth. It's not arrogant to declare it. So, Lord Jesus, we bow before you because we dare not bow before any other pretender to the throne, and we ask you to toughen us up. We're weak and lazy, we in the American church, 
Persecution has been kept until now far from our shores. Maybe these tendencies, these core values of end time religion will accentuate our community with one another, our fellowship with you, and our strong desire to be ambassadors for Christ. For we believe and will not cease to believe that you, Lord Jesus, are the way and the truth and the life. Thank you for enabling us to come into fellowship with the Father through the bridge, which is the cross upon which you died. It is simple and pure devotion to your redemptive work. Keep us from the complications and foolish gibberish, a foolish, mystical, occultic, religious talk that distracts us from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Help us to be the salt and light you called us to be until the time of your return. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 